On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla releases their first quarter production and delivery numbers. The full self-driving computer, aka Hardware 3, is done and ready to be shown off. Norway achieves a major EV-related milestone and more. friends, Ryan McCaffrey with you for episode 192 of Ride the Lightning, the weekly Tesla unofficial podcast for April 7th, 2019. To my left, looking out the window as she uh, winds down for the night, the one, the only, Daisy the Boxer Puppy. Uh, she had a good romp at the park today. We had a good time. Been a bit of a rainy week once again here, but we're used to it now. We're just getting around it. Anyway... Uh, last weekend, of course, was the end of the first quarter. That last crunch, Saturday and Sunday, were the 30th and the 31st, so the very end of the quarter. And Tesla did a fun thing that, uh, you know, I think was probably partially a test, but also certainly a good opportunity for a little, um, a PR is not the right word, but maybe just a little fun awareness of what the company is up to. And they used one of the Tesla semis, to deliver cars, which was pretty cool. They had it loaded up with some Model 3s, and I think there was a Model S on there as well, and they did some deliveries with it. So how cool is that, just to, to have a, a Tesla delivering another Tesla to a new home? They posted some pictures and videos of it on their social media channels, so if you follow Tesla on Twitter and or on Instagram, you can check that stuff out. But yeah, like I said, it was, it was just a neat glimpse of the future because, I mean, in the future, entire fleets of Tesla semis will exist and they'll be able to do that around the world, assuming the cars don't deliver themselves, which might actually happen uh, as time goes on because autopilot and full self-driving is making progress, which uh, we're going to talk a lot about later on in this podcast. But first, let me get to the biggest item of the week, and that is the production and delivery numbers for the first quarter that ended this last weekend, March 31st. Tesla announcing that earlier this week, they delivered 63,000 vehicles, approximately, including 51,000 Model 3s, 12,000 uh, S and X combined, and they produced 77,000 leaving about 10,600 vehicles in transit for the quarter that were on their way to customers but had not actually been delivered uh, by the end of the day on March 31st and thus did not count for the Q1 numbers. Here's a part of Tesla's statement on it. They say, quote, In North America, Model 3 was yet again the best-selling mid-sized premium sedan, selling 60% more units than the runner-up. We reaffirm our prior guidance of 360,000 to 400,000 vehicle deliveries in 2019. We've just begun the global expansion of Model 3, and we want to thank our employees for their hard work and our customers for supporting our mission. We are doing everything we can to deliver cars globally as quickly as possible and look forward to continuing to scale deliveries throughout the year, end quote. So the in-transit number there, ten, over 10,000 cars in transit 
That is globally, number one. So that's, you know, it's not just the U.S. That's everywhere. Or, well, everywhere that Tesla is currently delivering cars. But that number, you know, it's not unexpected. Because as you remember, Elon Musk sent out that all-hands-on-deck-for-deliveries email to everybody that I read you, I guess, two shows ago now. And Elon had warned in that letter to everybody, to to the team, that Tesla had produced the cars, they'd sold the cars, but they needed all the help they can get to deliver them prior to the end of the quarter. So not a huge surprise that there's there were that many cars in transit at the end of the quarter. As for what they actually delivered, 63,000 cars. That is, it's sort of a, a tale of, of two sides here. Really, not two sides, but it's, it's, it's a multi-part story. And there's good to it, there's good to it and bad to it. So the good is... They were up year over year. So compared to Q1 of last year, they were up 110% on deliveries. However, they were down quarter over quarter, meaning just the last quarter, Q4 2018, they were down 31%. So the bulls out there, the diehard uh, Tesla folks, a lot of them saying, that, well, Tesla's only just now tapping into the international markets. They're still growing at an incredible rate, uh, which is true. The bears, meanwhile, the naysayers, the fudsters, they are saying, of course, that, well, demand is soft and Tesla is doomed. Well, they're not entirely accurate, but the truth, as is often the case in life, right, I think lies somewhere in between. At least, I'll say, in my humble fanboy opinion. I I can't certainly speak factually to this. I'm not a Tesla employee. But as I sit here and as I see it, the truth is somewhere in between. Because parts of both arguments have merit. Both the year-over-year number and the quarter-over-quarter number, they both matter. Those numbers are both important. Because, you know, yes, deliveries are down quite a bit from last quarter, but... A couple of fair things to acknowledge about that was that the tax credit, the federal tax credit, got cut in half in that time, uh, which may have certainly have pushed a lot of people to move their orders up and try and take delivery in Q4, even if they'd been planning on on, uh, being a 2019 customer. And the other, the big one, perhaps the biggest factor, is that plenty of people were still waiting and are still waiting, in fact, as of this recording, for their standard range Model 3. Also, another thing to point out here, Q1 is always softer than Q4 for everybody. And in fact, other car makers were down uh, quarter, uh, Q, quarter of quarter, I should say, uh, comparably. So Q1 last year to Q1 this year. But, you know, it's just, it's the, the holiday lull, you know, we're in the, after the holidays, holiday season's over, it's a new year, you got no money left to buy a car from, from paying for your holiday season. So basically all of it's true. All of that's true that you got to, okay. But on the other side, hey, we got to look at this from both sides, a 31% drop from the last quarter. It is a lot. And that is not to be ignored. You know, the Tesla, as we know, in Elon's own words, they are trying to be a real car company. And in a company with shareholders and expectations, a 31% quarter over quarter drop is not great. 
You know, it's not great. It's, is it the end of the world? No, of course, absolutely not. Not even close. So for me, a, a self-acknowledged Tesla fanboy who is always, as I say, going to give Tesla the benefit of the doubt, my take on this is as follows. I think Q2, the quarter that is just now starting, is going to be very, very telling for Tesla for the rest, meaning for the forecasting the rest of Tesla's 2019. Because Tesla's got a lot of cars in transit. They're going to count for Q2, so that'll give them kind of a, a head start of sorts for this quarter. And the standard range cars will deliver, as well as a whole bunch of standard range plus cars as well. And Tesla will continue ramping up deliveries in Europe and China. So they've got all of that going for them for Q2. That's all good news, I think. Uh, and I, I, there's one other item to point out here on the domestic side here in the United States. They're, they might end up getting a bit of an organic push here in Q2 because after Q2 ends, the U.S. federal tax credit gets cut in half again to its final stage of go it'll go down to to $1875 from the 3750 that it is now. So again there might be a bit of a rush uh, towards the end of the quarter for people to get orders in because they'll realize, hey, and I'm sure I'm sure Tesla will message it as well. They'd be kind of foolish not to, really. They did that uh, at the end of last year. They let everybody know, "Hey, the tax credit's going from 7500 bucks to 3750." And uh, it is certainly in Tesla's interest, and it's in it's in consumers' interest for Tesla to message, "Hey, you've got uh, if you if you order now, take delivery this quarter, it's worth at least eighteen hundred and seventy five dollars to you." So, again, we'll see what happens in Q two. There's no doom and gloom in Q one, but there's also no you know triumphant celebration as well. Uh, you know, it, it was a good quarter in some ways, not a good quarter in others. I think Q2 is is a critical, almost kind of a swing quarter for them. Like this, it's I think that's it's really going to swing their year one way or the other. Next up this week, the full self-driving computer, aka the artist formerly known as Hardware 3, Tesla now referring to it as the full self-driving computer. A demo of it is happening for investors specifically. Uh, it is going to be webcast, so I will have, as usual, clips and analysis for you, audio clips of that. And Tesla saying this in announcing the event. So they say, quote, Tesla is making significant progress in the development of its autonomous driving software and hardware, including our full self-driving computer, which is currently in production and which will enable full self-driving via over-the-air software updates. With a number of very exciting developments coming in the weeks and months ahead, Tesla will host investors on the morning of April 22nd at our headquarters in Palo Alto to provide a deep dive into our self-driving technology and roadmap. Investors will be able to take test drives to experience our autopilot software firsthand, including features and functionality that are under active development. 
Investors will also hear directly from Elon Musk, as well as VP of Engineering Stuart Bowers, VP of Hardware Engineering Pete Bannon, and Senior Director of AI Andre Karpathy. And those are all people, all three of them. We heard from them on, I believe, the last quarterly call. Uh, they were all uh, front and center, maybe the one before that, but we have heard from them before. So expect to hear from them uh, in a couple of episodes of this show from now, from uh, whatever interesting audio sound bites that come out of that event. And in fact, I'll tell you, I would love to attend this. It is about 40 minutes away from here. It's not far, but uh, Tesla is saying that this one is for investors, which I presume probably only means the big investors, the real big fish, not anybody with with just one share. Uh, and I suspect that is seemingly probably to give those in large investors some confidence, just give them confidence in where Tesla is heading with this new product, because make no mistake, the full self-driving computer is definitely a product uh, because it's going to be manufactured en masse, that thing. Remember, they're going to be making as many full self-driving computers as they are cars. This is their own chip, their own design, and they're going to be making uh, 400 plus thousand of them a year uh, starting, well, actually starting now, because in fact, it has been confirmed now that there are full self-driving, there are hardware three cars out in the wild. Uh, Eric, who runs the Tesla inventory YouTube channel posted a video. He was able to, he actually went so far as to uh, dig into the the data behind the scenes with the, the website. I think I was telling you about this last week and he found a Model X, an inventory Model X and bought it and then ripped out the uh, the, the glove box because the, the board, the chip lives back there behind the glove box and he was able to confirm it firsthand. So, these they are they are shipping, you know. We don't know yet if any Model Threes are getting them or if it's just S and X. But the hardware three chip, again, aka now known as the full self driving computer, is uh, it is starting to get out there. On a side note here, uh, I found it a little interesting that Tesla is choosing to do this at their Palo Alto headquarters, which is exponentially smaller than the Fremont factory. Both are bustling as, you, as with activity, as you might imagine. But I don't know where they're going to do this at the Palo Alto corporate headquarters. I guess they're going to do it on the public back roads that, uh, that surround that building. Because it's sort of, it's, it's right off of the 280 freeway, but then it's just, it's, it's all these little one lane and two lane kind of just back roads before then you have to go further. You have to go down the hill to get really down into Palo Alto proper. Um, I've driven by there many times. I've, I've actually been lucky enough. I've been there a couple of times over the years. Uh, I actually got to, to borrow a roadster for the day from Tesla. In fact, I, I don't think I ever told the story, I guess real quick. So one of my first, encounters with Tesla uh, but long before I was doing a podcast, when I used to work at my, my previous job at Official Xbox Magazine, we had a, uh, you know, we're a print magazine, but we had a uh, sort of section 
on Xbox Live as part of the Major Nelson's... And I, you know what? I guess I won't bother to get into the nitty-gritty. But anyway, we had a, a regularly occurring show that you could watch on Xbox's online service. And I was the host for that most of the time. And I uh, there was a, the Forza Motorsport 4 was coming out for the Xbox 360. And the Tesla Roadster was going to be in it. So as someone who'd been keeping an eye on Tesla, I thought, oh, cool, that's that's neat. Hey, I have an idea for a, what would be a cool video. Why don't we do a comparison of the real-life Tesla Roadster with the one in the game? So this is this is a cool idea. Not the I'm sure that idea has been had by every publication ever. But anyway, uh, and and who would ever say yes to that? Like Ferrari would never say yes to that. Lamborghini wouldn't even pick up. Nobody's going to pick up the phone. But uh, I dropped Tesla a line. And they wrote back and were like, sure, come on down. And they just handed me the key to a $150,000 car, because this was a fully loaded Roadster, Roadster Sport. And they just said, here you go. <laughs> and I, we just got to take the car. We put a bunch of cameras on it and went and had a bunch of fun with it uh, out, on, out on sort of some quiet roads and, and, and filmed a bunch of stuff. And that video actually does still exist. I wonder if I can find it. It's... Uh, it's it's on Tesla's face. Oh wait, that's right. They deleted their Facebook page. I think it does still exist somewhere on the internet. Maybe if you try searching for it, if you do, let's see, Tesla OXM podcast. I don't know if that'll come up, but um, anyway, here I'll give it a quick search. Tesla OXM. Eh. Oh, Roadster OXM. Does that pull it up? Eh. No, I'm not seeing it. Anyway, doesn't matter. It's not. The, it was a pretty good video, though. It was fun for the time. Anyhow, uh, yes, it's all back roads by the the factory there, by, or the, by the corporate headquarters. So what I imagine this this hands-on demo for investors is going to be is, I think they're probably going to go out on those public back roads with a what will obviously be a stable development build of wherever full self-driving software is at right now, paired with the hardware three pardon me, full self-driving computer, and they'll get to try it out and experience it. So that should be pretty cool. I Yeah, I mean, I just, I can't wait to see what kind of progress Tesla has made on this, particularly as someone who just caught the, uh, I guess we can now call it a sale on the full self-driving upgrade since it proved to be uh, quite temporary. <laughs> I took advantage of that sale and and now I'm, uh, I'm raring to go. I'm ready I'm ready for whenever they're uh, they're ready to start rolling out features and give me my hardware update. So, anyway, that was the other big thing. So look for that in two shows from now. I'll have coverage of that. But right now, available now, and many of you probably got this already because I did as well. Navigate on autopilot. Lane change confirmation turned off in the new software update. It is version 2019. Dot eight dot five well, it was the one that I got anyway that had this Tesla making an announcement saying quote today we're beginning to roll out our latest version of navigate on autopilot for a more seamless active guidance experience in this new version drivers will now have the option to use navigate on autopilot without having to confirm lane changes via the turnstock here's how it works in the Autopilot Settings menu, a driver can press the Customize Navigate on Autopilot button, 
which will now display three additional settings. Enable at start of every trip, require lane change confirmation, and lane change notification. Through the enable at the start of every trip setting, navigate on autopilot can be set to automatically turn on each time a driver enters a navigation route. I've turned that on absolutely because I was actually getting kind of annoyed uh, at the fact that I, this is the most, again, like first world problem, but I, I thought it was annoying that you had to manually enable it. So now it'll just be on by default every single time. That's great. Also, uh, next here, where did I leave off here? Once enabled, a, uh, anytime a driver is on a highway and uses autopilot with a location plugged into the navigation bar, the feature will be on by default. Next, if a driver selects no to require lane change confirmation, which I've turned mine off, lane changes will happen automatically without requiring a driver to confirm them first. Drivers can elect to get notified about an upcoming lane change by receiving an audible chime as well as a default visual prompt. Additionally, all cars made after August 2017 will also have the option to have their steering wheel vibrate for the alert as well. Well, uh, for me, first of all, like I said, I've been wanting, I've been, it's such a silly little thing, but I've been wanting to have Navigate on Autopilot on by default since it first rolled out. It's the tiniest little thing, but uh, man, it, it, that's just like, <laughs> it's just a nice little quality of life thing. So I'm all about that. Second, I am definitely turning off lane change confirmation because, uh, number one, it, it's not quite as crazy as you might think if you haven't had a chance to try it yet because it won't actually do anything unless it detects your hands on the wheel. So it will not, like in with autopilot now and the, the lane changes, you know, if you just, if you're on autopilot and you press the stalk down to maybe move left to the left by one lane, the car will do it without your hands on the wheel. This will not change lanes unless it detects your hands on the wheel. Um, and then the other part of that that gives me a little bit more confidence is because Elon did confirm on Twitter that the neural net, the autopilot neural net, is also getting an upgrade with this release. Elon said, quote, it's not just a settings change. So theoretically, that means the system should be smarter than it was before, which is awesome. And then third, um, I have to say, I'm, I don't think I'm going to want an audible chime for every lane change that it wants to make, uh, because I just, I don't think I'm going to want my music interrupted that much. So uh, for now, I'm going to, I'm starting with the steering wheel vibration alert instead. I do want an alert. I do want a confirmation just not an audible one. So uh, I'm going to try that out and I can, I'll can i tweak my settings later. And there's more from Tesla on this, just as they're explaining it. Quote, cancellations, so lane change cancellations, can be made by moving the car's turn signal or by pressing the lane change cancellation pop-up notification on the car's touchscreen. This feature does not make a car autonomous and lane changes will only be made when a driver's hands are detected on the wheel, as I just mentioned. As has always been the case, until truly driverless cars are validated and approved by regulators, drivers are responsible for and must remain in control of their car at all times, end quote. Those are obviously critical words, very critical words. Not so much the cancellation instructions part, but the unmistakably clear verbiage that reminds everyone that this is not 
full autonomous driving. That, in fact, that probably should have been bolded in their blog post. But um, yeah, there you go. Finally, with this, Tesla notes that, quote, these new settings will be available to customers who have purchased enhanced autopilot or full self-driving capability. So uh, again, I think this and enhanced summon, which you know we've been, we've been hearing about, it's in the early access release right now, and thus should be coming along soon to the rest of us pretty soon. Those, those two things should really, I believe, be the final enhanced autopilot features for everybody that bought enhanced autopilot when that package was still available, uh, which obviously was up until very, very recently. And I have to say, I mean, all this is just awesome. I, I, it's, the progress has been tremendous. It, just again, it, just this year, it feels like just this year, uh, and, and this year's only a quarter old, and I feel like we've gotten a lot of really major new features. I did get a chance to ever so briefly try it out because I got it last night, so Thursday night, and then uh, my my commute, I'm on the freeway a little bit, but not much. Um, so I, I was able to give it just the slightest of tests. I'll be giving it a real thorough test this weekend, but it's, it's definitely cool. It, I would say it's the biggest adjustment for, for using autopilot for the driver since autopilot originally came out. Because I remember when I first tried autopilot, which was in, uh, my boss's model S, uh, whenever, what would that have been? 20, well, I don't know, 2014, 2015, something like that. And, uh, you know, it was, it was eerie to just watch the car steer itself and make the lane changes. And this, this kind of has that, a little bit of that same eeriness to it where you're like, wow, it's just, it's just moving around the road on its own all the way to, your off ramp to your exit and it knows and it signals and it just does it. So it's pretty cool. And I, I, yeah, I'm really looking forward to trying it out over uh, a much larger sample size this coming weekend. A quick PS to this conversation, since it is about a software update, new Tesla Atari games, the Tesla Atari games that uh, Tesla has been adding to the cars they are on the way very soon. Perhaps you'll have even received one or more of them by the time you hear this, because Tesla says that they are imminent. Uh, we've got Super Breakout and 2048 being added very, very soon. I just took a look in my car. I did not get them with 8.5. Uh, maybe, I'm not sure if that's the case for everyone or, or quite how the, the release of that is going. However, I did notice that I have Millipede in there, which I'd never noticed before, and it wasn't in any of my release notes, or at least that I saw. So I wonder if Millipede came in as a replacement for pole position, since Tesla had to pull that one due to, uh, you know, they'd made it, they'd made the, the, the pole position car a red Model 3, and um, you know, that Elon had said that they didn't, it was like a licensing thing. Like they didn't, I guess they did, they weren't authorized to do what they did to that game. And so they unfortunately pulled it from all the cars, but yeah, I did notice if maybe you're like me, maybe you, you didn't realize that you now have millipede in the car as well. So look for that in your car, perhaps now, and then look for super breakout and 2048 in the coming, uh, week or two, or maybe even the coming 
days. Not done yet. Still plenty more interesting Tesla news. It's been yet another busy week. A couple of interesting updates from Elon Musk on Twitter. I want to share those with you. It, you know, it feels like we haven't gotten as much of that lately in the wake of his, uh, shall we say, tussle with the SEC. Now, ironically, I say that because <laughs> I think the tweets that I'm about to read to you were probably made on the plane ride home from New York because he actually, he had his his hearing in the, the SEC's contempt case against him, and Elon went and showed up in person. So he flew across the country uh, and went out there for it. And if you're curious, by the way, so I, I don't like, I don't, I haven't really reported on that stuff in this podcast because I think it's kind of immaterial to the proper Tesla news and the stuff about the cars that, that this show is about. But, you know, you can let me know if you want me to keep a closer eye on that. But just since I did bring it up, so the judge, the hearing happened and the judge told the two parties, Elon Musk and the SEC, he, uh, she told them to work it out themselves in the next two weeks or else she would work it out for them. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, now, the tweets. So Elon was asked about the cabin-facing camera that's inside every Model 3's rearview mirror assembly facing the interior of the car. He said, quote, it's there for when we start competing with Uber and Lyft and allow people, or uh, uh, pardon me, and people allow their car to earn money for them as part of the Tesla shared autonomy fleet. In case someone messes up your car, you can check the video. Also, it can be used to supplement cameras on the outside of the vehicle as it can see through the second side windows and the rear window. Only the external cameras are being used right now, so internal is not enabled. So he does confirm that they're not, they're not looking at you while you drive. When it's enabled, we'll add a setting to disable the internal camera. Well, uh, I'm glad he addressed this. I, I actually had this on my list of questions to ask him if and when my interview ever happens. So I guess I can scratch that question off the list, but uh, I, I will... If it doesn't get answered sooner, I will ask a follow-up, which is this. I wonder if uh, that internal, that cabin-facing camera would be activated as part of a future version of sentry mode. You know, thinking that if someone does trigger the full alarm, does break into the car and stick their head in the car, uh, that the cabin-facing camera would activate to maybe get a look at their face for uh, for your video evidence to, to present to the authorities. On that note, another Twitter user asked, quote, sentry mode alarm was triggered, got a push notification. My car is in an airport parking garage a thousand miles away. Why can't I check the footage online? To which Elon replied, quote, sentry mode is barely at version 1.0. It will improve a lot in the coming months. So there you go. Uh, checking footage through your Tesla app. That is certainly likely to be a feature that they add based on this Twitter uh, interaction. And I'll tell you, I wouldn't be surprised if that cabin-facing camera that I just talked about comes into play somewhere down the road as well. Also, how about the ability to remotely look at any camera's live view at any time through the Tesla app? That would be super great. Uh, I, I could absolutely 
see myself using that feature on a on a semi regular basis because I'm just I'm that I guess paranoid for, <laughs> for if I want to just admit it I'm that paranoid about my cars so I I would definitely use something like that so it's cool to know though that Sentry mode is going to continue to get better that's awesome just more more awesome software stuff. What have I got? Let's see. One, two, two more stories this week. First up, Norway. Shout out to Norway in the month of March for the first time ever had over half of its new car sales be from uh, selling electric cars. So more than half of the new car sales for the month are electric. This comes via Bloomberg who says, quote, last month, new registrations of electric vehicles climbed to 58% of the total, according to figures released on Monday by the Norwegian Road Federation. With 5,315 new cars registered, Tesla's Model 3 accounted for 29% of the new sales. That beat the previous record of 2,172, so less, beat it by uh, more than double, held by the Nissan Leaf, by a wide margin, as reported by Bloomberg last week. Uh, as for now, so, well, how does that project, you may be wondering, how does that project out over a larger sample size than just one month? Uh, quote, battery electric cars' share of new registration also hit a record in the first quarter as a whole at 48% according to the Norwegian Electric Vehicle Association. The group expects that proportion to remain around 50% for 2019 as a whole, it said in a separate statement, end quote. Well, kudos to Norway. They continue to lead by example. I, I want to go there. I want to visit that country uh, for a number of reasons, but certainly to see this. I want to see what that looks like. Uh, it also certainly doesn't hurt that by all accounts, Norway is an absolutely beautiful country. I mean, I'll bet the roads and parking lots there make make the Bay Area here, the San Francisco Bay Area, look tame by comparison. Because, you know, here, hey, we got a, a ton of Teslas, we got a nice number of bolts, a lot of Leafs, but boy, it sounds like Norway... Uh, yeah, would would make us look like amateur hour in the EV department, which is great for them. I mean, that's that's awesome that they're doing that. Um, also, note this one of the statistics there: a lot of electric cars are being sold, not just Teslas, but the Model Three alone, as it's just now entering the country, was twenty nine percent. Of those EVs for the month of March, one just the Model Three, three out of basically three out of every ten electric vehicles sold in the month of March in Norway was a Model Three, and I'll tell you that number might only go up as we as you know just the early adopters, those people taking the first deliveries, start talking to their friends because you know what I'm talking about. We've seen this happen in the United States, both with the Model S and now with the Model Three. Someone in the neighborhood gets one, the neighbors get curious, the owner takes the neighbors out for test rides, and as we all know, driving or even riding in a Tesla is believing. That's everything else, any skepticism, most of it tends to melt away the second you zip off in one, particularly if you're driving. Um, But yeah, so 
the, the neighbors get taken out for test drives, test rides, and boom, now all the neighbors start getting them. And before you know it, they've replaced all of the Priuses, or is that Pri? What's the plural of Prius? I genuinely, I'm not even making a joke. I, I honestly don't know. But that'll, you know, you'll start seeing them replace all the Toyota Prius vehicles in the neighborhood. In fact, I'm actually, in my San Francisco neighborhood, I'm starting to see that very thing. I have, I have absolutely seen that pop up in my own neighborhood. Is, you know, they're just pre-I everywhere, but they, they, more and more Model 3s are, uh, are popping up now in the neighborhood, which is great to see. Anyway, Norway is the leader in electric vehicle adoption rate, so they have got this. Kudos to Norway. Great stuff. Finally, uh, ending on some more good news, or at least at the very least, a sigh of relief in Texas. Uh, the bill that I had told you about, State Bill 1415, which, as you recall, might have threatened Tesla's ability to forget about selling the cars, to even service the vehicles that are already sold to customers in the state of Texas. That bill now has been amended to clearly make sure that that will not be the case. This comes, this reporting comes via the Dallas Morning News. They say, quote, the company said the revisions no longer put its service centers at risk. Tesla thanked the bill's author, Senator Kelly Hancock a, uh, from North Richland Hills, for listening to its thousands of Texas customers. Quote, the substitute bill preserves the status quo to allow Tesla and companies like us to continue to service our customers' vehicles in Texas, a company spokesperson said, quote, uh, continuing, we look forward to continuing to serve our growing customer base in the Lone Star State. Hancock staff maintains the bill never endangered service centers, though revisions were made to, quote, assuage concerns and prevent misreadings of what can be very complex statutory references, end quote. Well, again, excellent news here. Not only, not only for the many present and future Tesla owners in one of the largest states in the, in the U.S., but also, it, the fact is, if this had gone through and stuck after Tesla would have inevitably challenged it in court, but if, it, if, if that had happened and, and this had happened and stuck and Tesla couldn't even service in the state of Texas, uh, it could have, as I, as I said when I was originally talking about this, it could have set a really bad and difficult to overcome precedent for, Texas, for Tesla in other states where they are not particularly welcome. I'm looking at you, Michigan. <clears throat> Pardon me. So uh, anyway, this is good news, and I want to send kudos out to Texans in my audience and just Texans in the larger Tesla community who made their voices heard on this to their elected state representatives. That is all of the Tesla news for this week. Wow, I've been talking for 38 minutes. That is a lot of Tesla news, a busy week. Stick with me. I'll come right back and get to your phone calls, which are excellent as always in the Ride the Lightning hotline right after this. This week, Ride the Lightning is brought to you by Amp Up. 
AmpUp seeks to build the world's largest reservable EV charging network out of shared private and home chargers, while it also aggregates nine public charging networks, including ChargePoint, Tesla, EVgo, and Blink, for maximum convenience. Yes, that means if you're an apartment-dwelling EV owner or otherwise don't have home charging, this app is for you. Hosts set hours for sharing on the charger, allowing different schedules every day of the week and weekends. Hosts also set the price per hour for using the charger. Drivers pay via credit card and reservations are instantly confirmed for drivers since hosts set up the schedule beforehand. AmpUp is incubated by the world-famous Y Combinator. Its creator, Tom, is not only the president, he's also a client. Tom hopes AmpUp can help get more people over the range anxiety hump and boost EV growth. So check out AmpUp today on the App Store and Google Play. It's Ride the Lightning Hotline time. Time to hear from you guys with your questions, your comments, your discussion topics in the world of Tesla. You can participate in the Ride the Lightning Hotline, which I, I welcome and encourage. One of two easy ways. Either you can call the toll-free Ride the Lightning Hotline, just dial it up, leave a message. That number is 1-888-989-8752. Again, 1-888-989-TSLA. Or you can use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record a question, and then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Either way, I only kindly and respectfully ask that you keep your call to a minute and a half or less, 90 seconds or less. Uh, and a quick thank you to vi uh, lifeonrecord.com for providing the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's all nice and set up, makes it nice and easy for me to take your calls. If you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake, so visit lifeonrecord.com if you'd like to learn more. Let's start with Matt in Sacramento, a longtime listener, first-time caller, uh, responding about this is actually an autopilot thing that is pretty relevant to all of the recent package changes that occurred with the the way things are broken up with autopilot now. So Matt, take it away. Hi, Ryan. Matt from Sacramento, long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, I was just listening to last week's podcast and Logan from Jacksonville's comments with regards to no lane change with the standard autopilot feature. We just took delivery of our standard plus Model 3 about two weeks ago, and we did choose the $3,000 autopilot and was surprised to find out that, in fact, it did not have the lane change capabilities. So in order to change lanes, we have to exit autopilot, change lanes, and then re-engage it. It's kind of cumbersome and does take you out of the experience. I didn't feel that that was kind of the intent of what autopilot was supposed to do, so I do agree that it's something that is certainly missing. Uh, more so from the autopilot and that it should probably be included. Uh, I know the line has to be drawn somewhere between full self-driving and autopilot, um, but I do feel that that line was drawn too, too low, so to speak. Um, I'm hoping as more features come out with full self-driving and that differential between the two becomes greater, that maybe they will roll that and maybe any other, a couple other features into standard autopilot, but at this point, um, you know, just for anybody else considering buying a Model 3 and weighing the options, uh, just take that into account. Um, aside from that, we absolutely love our car. I couldn't be happier. It was just the only little thing that we, we found a little surprising. So 
Anyway, thank you so much. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, talk to you later. Thanks for the call, Matt. I agree that having to turn off autopilot to change lanes isn't really necessarily in keeping with the spirit of maximum safety, which is what autopilot's supposed to be all about, and what Tesla has repeatedly professed that it's all about. I went ahead, I tried tweeting to Elon about this to at least try to get him to think about it. Uh, I didn't get a reply from him on this one. All I can ask and hope for is that maybe he saw it and will consider it, you know, even though you're right that, I mean, they do, they've got to draw the line somewhere. You know, there's always, you can always justify, probably always justify drawing the line or at least moving it further and further back, right? And giving, giving more and more features for that $3,000 package. But, um, I'm with you. I think, I think you shouldn't have to disengage autopilot in order to make a lane change. That would, uh, I'd love to see them add just that one feature back into the $3,000 base package. We'll see. You never know. Next is my friend Michael from Milbray responding to the pickup truck teaser. What do you think, Michael? Hey, Ryan. It's Michael from Milbray. I wanted to respond to the Tesla pickup truck teaser that was released um, in the form of a uh, in and out bet for you. Um, I believe that the photo that we've seen is a... Um, is a truck without any passenger seating. Um, it uses the autopilot cameras and drives anywhere you tell it to on your app, and that's all that is. Um, I wouldn't go so far as to say that that's the only pickup truck that they're making. Maybe it's uh, just a concept that they'll show off this summer, but that is what I believe it is, and I am willing to bet a in and out lunch on that. What do you think? Well, Michael, the last time that I took an in and out bet with you, I lost. Uh, it was over the Tesla Semi and its range. However, the good news was we got to go to in and out So even though I lost, I won. So therefore, I'm going to take this bet with you too because A, in and out Burger, but also B, I would be shocked if that were the case, and I would be happy for you to be right anyway. Elon did, after all, once tease, now, I think it might have been at the shareholder meeting last year, if I recall correctly, that the Model Y prototype might not even have a steering wheel. He, you know, he seemed like he was half-joking at the time. There was kind of a, a bit of a, like, chuckled response in the crowd where people were like, wait, is he serious? Now, ultimately, we now know that didn't come true, but that is clearly where Tesla is trying to push things. So the bet is on. Let's see what happens. Joe from New York is up next with a upgraded V2 supercharger question. Joe, take it away. Hey, Ryan. It's Joe from New York. So here's a question for the more scientifically uh, enabled. Uh, tell me, with the new... V2 Plus, if you will, at 145 kilowatts, and uh, the new V3 chargers. I understand that when the battery is, you know, really depleted and and can take a a full uh, charge, that these new chargers will be able to charge up faster. My question is that when the battery is, say, for example, at 50%, and you're getting you know, less than the full charge out of the supercharger. 
is it still going to be at the same level that it is today? Because the battery can only take so much juice at a time when it, as it gets filled? Or are the new superchargers going to be able to charge the batteries faster even when they uh, are, you know, filled up a bit? Uh, thanks. Bye. Joe, I can answer this one after having watched a few V3 supercharging demo videos. So, yes, the upgraded V2 superchargers and the V3 superchargers will still taper off, but they will taper off at a higher kilowatt level than the existing 125 kilowatt superchargers. So, yes, your, your charge rate will still slow down as your battery fills up but it's faster overall throughout the process. It's not just faster at the beginning. So hope that helps you. Jan from Australia is next commenting on Model Y. Jan, welcome to the show. Hey, Ryan. It's Jan here from Byron Bay, Australia. I just wanted to make a couple of quick comments regarding the Model Y. I watched the unveil live, and when I saw it come out, I was actually really pleased it looked so much like the Model 3. Just a little higher with a hatchback, because to me, that means two very important things. One, it's going to be available much quicker, and two, it's going to have that same or similar really fantastic five-star safety rating. Uh, I was also super, super happy to see those seven seats. Those two extra seats in the backpack are just ideal for when there's extra kids to pick up, which there always is. Um, that way, no one has to get left behind to ride the bus. Uh, so I've put my order in, and I can't wait to get my Model Y. Thanks for a great podcast, Ryan. It's terrific. Bye. Jen, I think those are both very astute conclusions to draw about the Y. Thank you for your call. You're right. Uh, being so closely related to the three and sharing so many parts should mean that you're right on both of those fronts. We already know that it shares three quarters of the same parts overall. Uh, hopefully, Australians are not going to have to wait nearly as long for the Model Y after the first deliveries begin as it's been already and, and still so far with the Model 3. Also, on a side note, I smiled when you referred to the third row as the backpack, because that's what my family always called the hatchback area of our 1984 Nissan Sentra station wagon, silver car, uh, that we had when I was a little kid and we still lived in New Jersey. And uh, I used to love riding back there uh, and my with my little sister too. So we could make faces, of course, at the drivers of all the cars behind us on Route 23, this is shout out, this is for you New Jersey people. We're, we're going from Australia to Jersey here. Route 23, heading home to Vernon from on the Hamburg Turnpike uh, from my uncle's house in Wayne, New Jersey. I, I've, uh, you, I, I'm sorry about that little nostalgia trip. Jan, you, you just brought back a wonderful memory for me, and I, uh, I'm grateful for that. That actually, oh man, thinking about that just puts a big smile on my face. Thank you, Jan, for the call. Dave from San Francisco, raining it back in, <laughs> keeping it local here for me. Dave from San Francisco, an EV veteran, uh, has a couple of Tesla-specific questions as a Model X owner now. So, Dave, take it away. Hey, Ryan. This is Dave from San Francisco. I am a longtime EV 
owner. Uh, started probably in 2007 with a neighborhood electric. Then I went to the Leaf, the uh, RAV4 electric, Model S, and now I'm a Model X owner. My question to you is, uh, on the Model Y, if you opt for the rear-wheel drive long range, will it give you more room in the front? I know my first Model S was rear-wheel drive, and it had a much bigger front than the dual motor version. So anyway, that's my question. Um, I guess in addition to that, is there any advantage to the dual wheel over the rear wheel? Um, Okay. Well, thanks very much. Love your show. Dave, thank you for your call. The answer is that we don't know with 100% certainty But if the Y stays as closely related to the three in the frunk department as it does just about everywhere else, then the answer is going to be no. Uh, In fact, I would really push all my chips to the table, uh, in the middle of the table, uh, with no. Um, So the the dual motor frunk, probably going to have the same storage capacity as the rear wheel drive frunk. Because at least with the three... Tesla just makes all the frunks exactly the same, whether or not there is a motor up there in the front of the car. Now, as to your question about rear-wheel drive versus dual motor, so the dual motor is going to give you better performance, better handling, uh, and better traction, all those particularly in those wintertime conditions with the handling and the traction. But the rear-wheel drive is more efficient And it costs less, obviously, the sticker price of the car itself. So I hope that helps you. Brian from Pennsylvania is next, keeping the Model Y block rolling here. Brian, what have you got? Hey, Ryan. Brian from Wapwall up in Pennsylvania. Just wanted to comment on the Model Model Y being like the Model 3. And I would have to agree with people that, yeah, it kind of does. kind of looks like it. I mean, especially since... 70% 70% of it is the same parts as a Model 3. Wow, I'm going to really screw this up. I'm going to keep my models together here. Um, I remember back when my first car I had, I'm dating myself here, with a Ford Escort. And then there was also the Ford Escort wagon. Yes, it was a different car, but it was still looked like a Ford Escort just extended. I heard this comparison somewhere. I don't know if it was your podcast or another one saying that the Model Y was kind of the same thing like that with the Model 3. And I have to say I agree with that to the point where the Model Y really should be like the 3 crossover or the 3 extended. Because it just, to me, the Model Y really isn't a new car, using air quotes, an extended Model 3. Thanks again. Keep up good work. Thanks, Brian. I wouldn't necessarily disagree with you. I I don't think it was too big of a deal either way, and and I'm not suggesting that you were saying it was, but if Tesla would have called it the Model 3 crossover, or just Model 3C for short, then people would have still instantly known what it was, and maybe it might have headed off a bit of the, I mean, I don't want to call it negativity, but maybe a bit of the 
apathy that some people in the industry felt after the Model Y's unveiling. I mean, it's too late now. Certainly, it's, it is the Model Y, for better or for worse, but it's certainly an interesting what-if thought exercise in a you know, parallel universe kind of thing. A couple more calls for you this week. Uh, three of them, in fact. Jeff from New Jersey wants to talk about Model 3 wheels. Jeff, go ahead. Hey, Ryan. It's Jeff from New Jersey. I had a question for you and for the listeners about their Model 3 wheels. How many of us have already scratched not one, not two, but three or more of our rims? I had my car about 36 hours before I managed to scrape up one of my rear rims, simply because I didn't realize how wide the car was. But since then, with really just general use, and I would say not being particularly sloppy, I've managed to scratch at least one more. Do you think the rims are made of something just a little bit softer than most of us are used to? Or am I really just a terrible driver? Thanks. As always, keep up the good work. I don't think it's either of those things, Jeff. You know, it takes time to get used to a new car. And I would imagine that the Model 3 is, you know, even though it's smaller than the Model S... I don't have any data to go on here. I'm just sort of thinking out loud because it is a... I know for a lot of us, it is the most expensive car we've ever bought. And thus, it might still be the... It might be the biggest car that a lot of us have ever owned. I know that is true for me. Uh, it is it is the physically largest car I've ever owned. And uh, so, you know, that, that could be part of the adjustment period with it as well. I know I I personally go out of my way to avoid parallel parking my car, but you know I realize that's not always a realistic option for for me or for anyone. Um, you know, depending on where you live and and where you're driving. But you know, use your mirrors; they 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 tilt down for you automatically when you put the car in reverse if you have that option enabled, and make good use of that backup camera. It is uh, it is pretty accurate. So. I guess the one other thing here, in an, in an effort to be constructive and be helpful, I will mention a product, I guess products, that I'm in no way affiliated with, but I have heard good things about. And those are wheel protectors. So there are these bands, basically, that install uh, over the, the, the lip of your rim, the edge of the rim, so that if you were to curb the wheel, they would take the the damage and not the wheel itself there's a couple that i've heard of and you know heard pretty good things about uh i have i'm not tested any of these myself but uh just to so you can look into them yourself google them see what you think alloy gator all one word alloy gator and then uh, wheel bands two words those are the two i've at least heard of and i've heard of people in the tesla community using so uh, from what I understand, they install fairly easily if, you know, the YouTube installation videos of them are to be believed. And, you know, they, they at the very least, they're, they're pretty uh, subtle as far as the visually speaking. Like it's, there's not some obvious weird looking thing on your wheels. They, they pretty well retain your factory wheel look uh, rather nicely from, from, again, from what I've seen. So, you know, and they just, they offer a first line of, def- of, of uh, defense that's, that happens to be disposable and replaceable from curb rash. So, you know, I don't know if, if any of that would be useful to you or of interest to anybody in the audience, but regardless, uh, hopefully that's helpful to someone. Jeff, good luck from here on out, my friend. A couple more calls. Jared from Seattle 
saw a very horrifying Tesla story this week and wanted to talk a little bit about that. Jared, you're on the air. Hi, Ryan and the Ride the Lightning community. This is Jared from Seattle calling. I hope everybody's well. Ryan, thanks as always for everything you do. Um, quick question. So I've seen several stories and reports about cars on autopilot with drivers at the, asleep at the wheel or not paying attention on their phones. Um, but just this week, I read a report about a driver asleep in the back seat of his Tesla with the car traveling at over 100 miles per hour or possibly kilometers per hour uh, on autopilot. This seems to indicate that the uh, tools to make sure that you're paying attention are not working as well as they should. Um, and it also seems to be a pretty significant safety concern. Do you know if Tesla is doing anything about this? Um, I only ask because the first reports of these occurrences were a month ago, and so I would have expected an update to address this already. Also, while I'm on the air, I just want to congratulate my good friend Ben, who recently took delivery of his standard range plus Model 3. Congrats, Ben. Thanks, everybody, and have a great week. Indeed. Congrats, Ben. I hope he's enjoying his new car. Now, Jared, for you. Uh, I unfortunately don't know for sure, but if that video is real, and by the way, it's definitely kilometers per hour because autopilot only works at speeds up to 90 miles per hour, it just literally won't work above that, uh, then yeah, it is indeed concerning. And um, I, <laughs> I'm shocked that autopilot works at all if it doesn't detect a butt in the seat. And uh, we know the car is capable of detecting fannies in the, in the seat. We know it's possible. So, uh, you know, that, that to me seems like the most obvious thing to address. Again, if that video was real, because I'm, I'm always skeptical of stuff like that. Some, someone filmed that from the passenger seat. So who knows what they were really up to if it's some, you know, elaborate troll to try and drum up views on YouTube or, and, or if they faked it somehow, I, you know, I don't entirely know, but if it's, if it's real, you know, it's, it's, it's a thing where it, you just kind of have to shake your head because responsibility for using the system properly ultimately falls with the driver. And we're just, we're never going to see any progress in driver assistance technology or self-driving technology uh, with st if if stuff like this just gets too out of control, you know. So I do think that Tesla can and should take as many steps as possible to protect the rest of us from somebody like that uh, in that video as they reasonably can without, you know, ruining the whole thing for for everybody and and stifling progress. I know that's got to be a tricky line to walk, but. Uh, Brian from Springfield, Missouri is our final caller of the week. He gets the honor and he wanted to comment, uh, ultimately on resale value. That is the excellent point, which he, he arrives at, uh, near the end of his call. So here is Brian. Hey, Ryan, Brian Seeley here at Bry R32, long time listener, first time caller, love your show. Uh, I just want to comment on a cool feature here that was um, suggested by uh, Earl uh, Frunk Puppy uh, at uh, 28 Days Later, uh, the geosynchronous mirrors. Um, I'd moved from a two-car garage to a single-car garage, and um, they've come in really handy. Uh, I was afraid that uh, they would fold um, 
you know, before you could check that the traffic was was safe to back in. Um, but that's not the case. They, uh, you can set them up two ways. One, uh, to your auto, your home link, uh, so they automatically fold when your garage door opens, or you can set them up by your location. So um, I have to set them by location, and they close about six foot before they're in my garage door, and everything is super safe, and they work uh, super. Uh, another cool thing, feature I found of that is every time you go through a drive through or an ATM and you fold your mirrors, it gives you the option to remember that location, and they automatically fold when you go back. I've already used that probably uh, 20 to 30 locations, and it works like a charm. Uh, so shout out to um, at 28 Days Later on that. Uh, also, quick question, Ryan. Um, I want to know your thoughts on the longevity of full self-driving. Um, say, a car 10 years, my Model 310, 15 years down the road, uh, if, I, if I'm lucky enough to drive it, drive it that long. Uh, the resale value, um, I think, would go kind of really tremendously above any ICE car if that full self-driving is still um, supported and working. Um, I just want to know your thoughts on that uh, because, you know, after about 10 years, a $50,000 Mercedes is worth about three grand. So, But I, I think if, if it had full self-driving still working, that there would be a huge demand for uh, a low-priced vehicle that, that had that. So just want to know your thoughts on that. Love your show. Uh, great to talk to you for the first time. Thanks, Ryan. Bye-bye. Thanks for your call, Brian. You know, I hadn't really considered the impact of full self-driving on the long-term resale value of the Tesla fleet. But, you know, I think you're absolutely correct. You know, Tesla, in, in 10 to 15 years from now, will probably have the Model 4, or whatever it's called, you know, a, a proper compact sedan that's twenty dollars to $25,000 uh, new, you know, new sticker price. But given the low wear and tear on, on any electric vehicle, and the fact that full self-driving is mostly software, once you have your uh, full self-driving computer in there, you've, once you've swapped out that Autopilot 2.5 hardware, then yeah, it, it should be worth more than the pittance that a comparable 2018 internal combustion engine vehicle is going to command in another decade and a half from now. Uh, glad to have you, Brian. That's, that's an excellent point. Very glad to have you as a caller now, as well as uh, a listener. So Brian, thank you so much. Thanks to all of you for calling in. And again, I welcome it. I invite it. I love this part of the show. I love hearing from all kinds of different people, different voices in the Tesla community from all over the country and all over the world. That's what's cool about this. So again, uh, if you want to participate in the Ride the Lightning Hotline, send your 90-second or less call over to me at uh, either, you know, record your question on your smartphone's built-in voice recorder and then email it over to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can call in and leave a message anytime, day or night, on the toll-free Ride the Lightning hotline. And that number, once again, is 1-888-989-8752. I will be right back with uh, an update on the peak power update that I got last week. I, I properly tested that, plus a show announcement, the pro tip of the week, and uh, then the parting thoughts for you. So stay tuned right after this. 
Real quick, before I tell you about my scientific measurement of the peak power increase in my P3D, I wanted to mention uh, something, not next week, but the week after. So two shows from now, uh, I am going to be on a family, uh, pardon me, family vacation. And, you know, I've been, <laughs> I've been thinking about it. It's like, I have worked, I have, I have done this podcast every single week without fail through uh, being under the weather, through holidays, through uh, business trips, and through vacations every single week for over three years. And I'm very proud of that. And I think that's very important. I think it's, it's, I think actually it's critical to building an audience and to gaining your trust and your respect. And again, that time that you uh, are so uh, kind to give me every week. However, uh, I, I've really want to just enjoy a quiet week with the family and not do a show through this vacation. So you probably are thinking that I'm about to say that there's no show in two weeks. You would be wrong. There will be a show in two weeks. However, what I've decided to do is uh, is put together a uh, basically a best of show. So two primary segments. Uh, I actually, it's uh, it's it's going to be probably a pretty long show, like a normal length show, because uh, I was I was going through it and trying to figure out all right what would I want to do for this. So I wanted to try and give you guys something new to listen to, even though I won't be covering the regular weeks you know, Tesla news that week, I'll, I'll get caught up, uh, the week after I get back. So what I found for you, and I, I might've mentioned this offhandedly at some point in the past, but, uh, in October of 2011, Tesla had their first public event, uh, at the, at the Tesla, at the new Tesla factory, you know, over in Fremont. So this is months before the model S actually started delivering to customers they had an open house, the, the, the open house, and they did test rides in the Model S prototypes. Well, actually, they were beta cars. They were, you know, sort of just uh, validation early build cars for the first time. So they, they were doing test rides. So And you could only go, you could only get attendance, you could only get in the building if you were a uh, either a Model S reservation holder, which required a $5,000 deposit back then, or if you remember way back, a $40,000 deposit if you wanted the signature version. Or you could be one of their plus ones, the plus ones of one of those people. And I got to be the plus one of one of those people. My friend Jeff uh, kindly brought me along. That was an amazing day. I still have a lot of pictures and, and great memories of that day. Got Getting to walk the factory floor. And anyway, uh, look, and there was... Just there was almost no assembly. We got to walk through the paint shop, which you don't get to do now. Anyway, um, Elon gave a presentation at that, and it was. I went back. I found it on my computer recently while I was uh, looking. I think I was. I don't. I don't remember what I was doing. I think I was sorting through old Maggie pictures and just kind of you know start sorting through those. And I found this, and I was watching it again, and uh, it's. It's really interesting to hear now, in 2019, to hear Elon speak about the Model S in 2011, before the car hit the market. So I, I recorded that whole thing. So I, I, pulled all the, I pulled the audio from that presentation. It's about 20 minutes. And I'm going to play that for you on this 
best of show while I go uh, have a vacation with my my family. Uh, my in-laws are going, my brother-in-law and my, my uh, mother and father-in-law. So I'm hoping that uh, you will all uh, kindly kindly allow uh, allow that for me. Um, like I said, it's it's been a you know I, I've been I'm very proud of the effort that I put into this podcast and and I remain that way. It's, that doesn't stop. But I'm hoping that uh, that you might enjoy that and and allow me to enjoy uh, a quiet week uh, without uh, without having to pay close attention to, to anything. Cause I want to just, I want to unplug for a week. And so I've got, again, that, that audio from that 2011 event from Elon, uh, which you almost certainly have never heard. And then, uh, after that in, in, in the, this best of episode, I'm going to do something that maybe you did hear and either you liked it and you wouldn't mind hearing it again, or you can just turn it off and go about the rest of your day or maybe you're a newer listener and you haven't heard it, but last year I did uh, an interview that I got a lot of really great, wonderful feedback on with Jason Calacanis. He is an angel investor. He's a friend of Elon's. He's he's very sort of he's very pro Tesla. Uh, he's been there since day one. He has very, 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 very early vins of all the Tesla cars. And just, uh, you know, again, he looks, his perspective of, of the world, of knowing Elon, but his, you know, as an investor and an angel investor and, and somebody who believes in the company, it was just, it was a great conversation with him. So I thought I would pair those two things together in a, again, kind of a best of show and, and put that out there for you to listen to while I'm on vacation. So I just wanted to, I wanted to message it well in advance so that, you're you're not expecting the new you know to hear about the news that week and then you're just upset or disappointed that that you get a show where hey I'm on vacation I hope you like this so uh, that's in two weeks from now I'll mention it again next week just again to try and make sure everybody's mentally prepared <laughs> for it and I hope you enjoy it I mean I, I do hope you enjoy it I, again I sort of put a lot of thought into it of like what would be you know what would allow me to to uh, to disappear for a week and still give people something that they can enjoy listening to that they would get something out of. So look for that in two weeks. So I guess that'll be episode 194 because this is 192. Anyway, the spirit of adventure. Uh, I did get out and properly measure the peak power increase with my draggy, uh, which again is the little the little GPS dongle that you buy. Uh, that uh, pairs with an app on your phone, and it uses GPS and and uh, the phone's wizardry to accurately, really accurately measure your performance, your zero to sixty times. It knows if you're on flat ground or not. It's pretty cool. It's if you're interested in one, there. I think again, I don't have any affiliation with them, but, but I think I believe it was like 150 bucks, and I, I'm pretty sure I bought mine off of Amazon. But it's draggy. It's it's D R A G Y is how it's spelled. Anyway, uh, I went out to a a particularly quiet place that I can safely uh, pull some 0 to 60 runs without risking injury or damage to anyone or anything. And long story short, I got, I was, uh, and, and I was at a 90, where was I? 90, 
95, yeah, 95% stated charge. So I really juiced the car up, wanted to see exactly what it was capable of. And it did zero to 60 miles an hour in 3.43 seconds with no rollout. Or if you do a ro- if you factor in the one foot rollout, the app, sh- the draggy shows you that it, it, it's, it will factor that in. So it shows that too. Uh, you know, cause that's motor trend measures that way. And that's uh, a lot of car manufacturers advertise with the rollout. In fact, Tesla does too. Tesla advertises with the rollout. So, you know, they're advertising the model three performance now as 3.2 seconds, zero to 60 with the rollout. And with that one foot rollout, I did indeed pull a 3.21 seconds with the rollout. Um, but Again, sort of, I guess the, the real number is 0 to 60 from a standstill, 3.43 seconds, which is six-tenths of a second better than what I had pulled previously when I'd first got the car uh, and before, obviously, before this peak power increase software update. So, yeah, that translated into, uh, you know, real world, about a, about a six-tenths of a second increase on the 0 to 60 time, which, again... This happened for free with no effort on my part. I didn't have to take it into a service center. It just downloaded into my car and suddenly I could go faster. So that's pretty darn cool. Again, it's just, it's so great. I love this car so much. And I'll tell you, I used to do this all the time with the DeLorean where uh, I, I really, I did my best when I owned the DeLorean for, for those 12 wonderful years all in my 20s to, uh, well, mostly in my 20s, obviously. I really tried hard to never take that car for granted and never just like, you know, I just, I always tried to appreciate it. And I'm I'm trying to do the same thing with my Model 3 where I just look at it in the garage. Like if I'm going down to take the garbage out or something, I'm just like, I, I'll, I'll just look at it and go like, man, I'm, I'm so, and just look at it in my garage and go, I'm so lucky to have this, and I really, truly am. I mean, it's just, it's such a blessing. Like, did I work hard to get the car? Yeah, but did did a lot of, you know, a lot of good things have to happen. A lot of good fortune has to go, has to go my way for for something like that to to happen. And I'm just, man, I'm, I am so thankful. I'm so grateful to have that car. It's just, it's so much fun. It's so great. All right. Uh, I got to get out of here, but first let's do a pro tip of the week. This one is from Paul in Houston talking about switching the sources on your various media playback options using a simple shortcut. Paul, you're on the air. Hi, Ryan. This is Paul from Houston. Uh, I love your show and thanks for everything you do for the Tesla community. I wanted to call in a tip about how audio source selection works in the Tesla Model 3. Um, I've noticed that if you hold the left scroll wheel button on the steering wheel for a couple of seconds, uh, either to the left or to the right, you'll actually switch sources from, say, your phone uh, to the favorites tray. And so the favorites tray is what you get when you slide the music app up to the second level, um, and you'll, you'll see your list of favorites on the right. Um, so if you, if you hold the scroll wheel button to the left for two seconds, you'll actually jump into the right side of the favorites tray, and then vice versa, if you hold the scroll wheel button to the right for two seconds, you'll jump into the left side of the favorites tray. And from there, holding for two seconds to the right or left will actually switch between favorites in the order you would expect. Um, 
And this is actually the same way that the Tesla app works. When you're in the car and you go to the media section, there's a section at the bottom there called favorites with left arrow and right arrow, and those work exactly the same way as I just described. Uh, anyway, that's my tip, and uh, thanks again for everything you do. That is a good one, Paul. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Again, if you've got a pro tip for about, uh, you know, something about your Tesla that's not super obvious, that is useful, a little useful shortcut, something like that, call in. Just uh, send it in using, uh, you know, either of the two ways that I told you about earlier in the show for calling in. All right. Uh, time to hit the road. I want to first mention abstractocean.com. The 15% discount for new customers lives on for uh, once again, which is great because, uh, you know, they got the lighting kits, the uh, tempered glass screen protectors, all kinds of fun stuff. Just give it a look over there, abstractocean.com. Use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout in order to get that 15% off of your first order. Meanwhile, Immaculate Reflections is a wonderful detailer. They've taken wonderful care of my car. Jeff's just a, he's just a great human being, honestly. And I'm, I'm uh, very happy to give him my business and his, his uh, professionalism and, and quality of work is, has just been tremendous as well. Uh, if you are in the Bay Area or taking delivery in the Bay Area and you're sort of anywhere within, within shot of Northern California and you want somebody great to do some detailing work on your car, whether it's you know, paint correction, whether it's uh, and or paint protection film and or ceramic coating, whatever you've got uh, in mind, Jeff can work with you and uh, really, really make your car look better than it ever has. You can look up more on Immaculate Reflections on their website, irdetailing.com. Uh, the Patreon, that is the place where if you enjoy this show, if you really get a lot out of it, if you appreciate it, uh, I would appreciate it if you would take a look at the Patreon page and consider supporting me uh, with a with a monthly Patreon pledge. It's totally optional. It always will be. Uh, it's you know it's just it's there if if you want to. If not, keep on listening. The show will always come to you every Sunday uh, at the same time each and every week. But uh, if if uh, it's something that that you might want to consider, I would certainly appreciate it. And you can learn more on my Patreon page, which is found at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast, all one word on Tesla podcast and Patreon is spelled P A T R E O N. I do believe that's, ah, Oh, I guess. Yeah. I should mention, you know, I, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Uh, the referral codes are back. The referral program, the thousand free miles of supercharging with any new Tesla vehicle order. Uh, you know, try to find someone else's code. If you've got, you know, a friend, a family member, a coworker, use that, uh, you know, help get them in the raffle for the car and get, just, you know, get yourself the thousand free miles of supercharging when you're ordering. But if I happen to be the only Tesla person in your life, and you just you just need a code to get those thousand free miles of supercharging when you order your car. Feel free to use mine. Uh, you do have to do it when you order. There's no like going back and adding it after the fact. So uh, to order your car with a referral code baked in, you can type in ts.la/slash Ryan seven three zero one four. That will take you to the design studio where it'll give you the choice 
of Model 3, Model S, or Model X, and you just go from there and do your order. Subscribe to the podcast. Again, that's free. That's just so that it downloads to you automatically every week rather than you having to go seek the show out. You can subscribe for free on all the major podcast services, including, uh, of course, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn. And remember, TuneIn's the one in the car. You can get the show in your Tesla. Um, on Spotify as well, also YouTube. And if you just want some, either the RSS feed or just individual shows, uh, show download MP3 files, you can go to the hosting site. That is found at teslapodcast.libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. If you're ordering, I guess last plug here, if you're ordering a Jada wireless charger, uh, if you've got a, a Qi-compatible wireless charging-capable smartphone, the Jada wireless charging pad is a basically it's a one one time purchase. You buy it for your Model 3 once and then you've got it for the life of your car. Uh, I don't have a discount code for that, but full transparency, if you uh, order using the link I'm about to give you, the Jada folks will throw me a few bucks for ordering it through, you know, hearing about it through the show. So that link is uh, getjada.com. So that's G E T. J-E-D-A, getjada.com, slash R-E-F, slash eight. All right, that brings us to the end. I want to conclude, as I always do, with the thanking of the wonderful Patreon producers, the folks supporting me at the producer tier on Patreon. Uh, I'm so grateful to, to anybody who supports me on Patreon, but particularly these folks uh, who are at the, the producer tier and one of the perks of that is you get your shout-out at the end of every single episode of this podcast. So I want to say a sincere thank you for the continued support of DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassioppo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Matthew Parra, Michael Lester, Robert Miracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Marcus Mayenshine, Lars Hoffman, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, Rome Strack, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondal, Gabriel Salais, Jerry and Mary Smith, Brian Hope, Bill Royko, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dory, uh, pardon me, Dory and Steve Guberman, Luxendary.com, Michael Waddle, Daniel Grummer, Blake Wiley, Josh, Jeremy, Jeremy Harris, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Rob Brewer, My Tesla Adventure, Austin Allen, Ron Lee, and Lambert Lee. Thank you all so, so much for that continued support. And that will wrap it up for yet another long episode of the show. But I think it was a pretty efficient time, and there was just there was a lot to get to this week. It was a super fun week, so uh, I had a blast doing this week's show. It was, yeah, there's just a lot of neat stuff going on in the world of Tesla. It just, it never stops. It's always fun. I love it. This is great. So I hope your time was was uh, well spent in listening to the podcast this week because, as I say uh, a lot, your time is, in my opinion, the most valuable resource, the most valuable uh, commodity that you have. And for you to spend an hour plus of it with me and listening to this podcast every week, uh, it really does mean a lot. I, I thank you so much for that. So for, wow, a really passed out, that is, 
That is a sleepy puppy over there. She is done for a sleeping Daisy the Boxer puppy. My name, as you know, is Ryan McCaffrey. This was Ride the Lightning, episode 192. Thank you all very much. Happy electric motoring, and I'll see you next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. <laughs> That's what it's meant to be. Well, our goal is to make it's, – it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment, mm. make its maximum fun.